0: Welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. I am your host, Susie Botello, and you are listening to episode 47. Welcome back, everyone. How's the new year coming along for you? This year is about feature filmmaking and storytelling, or what I like to call story sharing, because, you know, You can tell a great story to people around you, but if you're going to make a story into a film, then you got to share that, right? Preferably with the whole world. I would like to officially announce the theme for our film festival is stories. Yeah, because in our mobile filmmaking world, we get so full of candy. I mean, toys. I am talking about all that gear that you see online, all those apps, all that gear. Oh, my God, right? But let's take a step back. Before the apps and the gear came along, there were people making films using cell phones and smartphones without all that stuff. Actually, not even full HD. Can you believe that? But how do you think all the apps and gear came to be? Supply and demand, that's how. And people were taking stuff they already had and modifying it if they needed to, like using a steering wheel as a way to stabilize their filming. Now, I am talking about a whole lot of people looking for ways to make their films better. It's the same with the traditional camera industry. But don't complicate your game, guys. By now, you've heard of a certain Hollywood and television director who has said publicly that he will be making films from now on using only iPhones. Think about that for a minute. He has access to all sorts of professional gear, including cameras and funding, but he decided to get off the big cruise ship and hop into your little boat. My point is that you can use the apps and the gear to share your story and help your story out. But not the other way around. Your story is not going to get better because you use that stuff. The apps make the visuals and the audio gets better when you're using all that stuff. And so does the gear. But if you forget to tell a good story, then you know what people will say about your video or film, right? They'll say it was a great quality film or footage, but not much else. They won't be going to bed rolling your story around in their head. They won't be inspired by a good message that may impact the rest of their lives. I'll give you an example. You've all heard about The Walking Dead, right? It's a television series. Do you talk about the quality of resolution, the sound quality, the aesthetics of the film or the TV show? Or that they shot it with specific cameras. Do you know how many people are into that stuff other than filmmakers and industry people? Nobody. Everyone is talking about the storyline. Oh my God, Rick. Oh my God, Carl, the characters. Oh my God, they have a dog now. Oh my God. And they go to sleep after watching the latest episode, tossing, guess what? The story around in their minds. So if you're serious about mobile filmmaking, you got to remember your story. (laughs) Some of you are going to kill me. I know. But most of what you hear is that you cannot make a good mobile film without this app or that gear. But it's really just how we talk. We know, we all know that if you cannot wrap your film around a great story, That only you can tell in this way or that way. It's just not going to be a great film. No matter how much funding or anything, it just won't. And remember, you can tell a story in many different ways. Romeo and Juliet is the same story as Titanic. Remember all of this. And then come to San Diego on April 27th and 28th this year to meet some pretty awesome storytellers and watch some great films that were all shot with mobile phones, just like what you have access to in your hand or in your pocket. This is why we make a big deal in our film festival that the films are shot with mobile phones, not because that's what matters, but because we want you to know that you can do it too. We want everyone in the world to realize that you don't need fancy cameras and you don't need to be intimidated by complicated cameras and processes. So that brings me to our guest, Stephen Palmer Peterson. Because one way to get deep into a story is to take time to actually do that. I mean, grab someone's attention with a story and take them along a path for a while in a way that makes them forget about how much time is going by. Pull them into a story where they are the protagonist and bring them inside a world that they have never experienced before, or at least in the way that you have created the experience. That is one of the powerful impacts of a feature-length film. Steve's film is going to be a part of the Mobile Feature Film Competition at the International Mobile Film Festival this year in San Diego. You can meet Steve in person and watch his film. I think you will really enjoy getting to know Steve and learn some things about his film and what making a feature-length film was like for him. So come on and join our conversation now. welcome to the SBP podcast. We have a guest who is actually in our country, in Uh. our state in California. Uh, Stephen Palmer Peterson is here from uh, Glendale in California, right, Steve?
1: That's right. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Um, Instead of me introducing you, uh, let me just let the listeners know that uh, Steve is one of the mobile feature film uh, participants, one of the filmmakers. Uh, The name of his film is Consensus Reality. It's a real trippy film uh, that you'll have to come and see here in San Diego at the film festival and meet Steve. And um, Steve, if you don't mind, would you introduce a little bit about who you are and where you come from and what made you decide to make a feature film with your phone?
1: Oh, uh, so my name is, again, my name is Stephen Palmer Peters, so that's the way I go uh, uh, when I'm writing. Anyway, uh, I had, um, I went to graduate school in philosophy, and so that's kind of like, informs a lot of the sorts of stories I'm interested in. And when I was taking a course in cognitive science, uh, one of the professors talked about this book called uh, Memoirs of My Nervous Illness. And it was written in like the late 1900s by a judge in Austria who was suffering from schizophrenia. And, uh they of course don't have any med- they're going have any medication back then, so when this guy's writing or in this book that he's writing, he's telling you exactly you know his experiences as a schizophrenic and he's a very smart man. he's like, I think oh, um comparatively he'd be like a Supreme Court justice in the United States, but he was in Austria right. and in fact, um Sigmund Freud had read the book, and he never met the guy, but he could read the book, and that helped inform some of his own psychological theories. Wow. But anyway – yeah, but anyway, so it's like, oh, I thought this was just fascinating to sit there and kind of have this inside-the-head look at somebody who came up with this entire sort of metaphysics and oh, um – um theosophy about the, uh, about the universe based on the fact of the, these delusions he was having. And so it makes a sort of internal logic or there's an internal sense or internal logic to it. And I thought that'd be really cool to kind of like have a movie where we get inside the head of somebody like that and really just see it from his own perspective. And at the same time, Can I ask you
0: something really quick? No, don't be sorry. I'm totally interrupting you, but my mind is, is wondering uh, the book, because I haven't read that book. um, Uh Is it, is it, told as a story, or how is, how is the book, uh, I guess you could say, formatted in a way?
1: I mean, it's actually, uh, the actual backstory is, is that he had, uh, I think, voluntarily committed himself to a mental institution, and then after a while, he got tired of it, and he wanted to leave, and so he said, and they said, no, we don't think you're well enough. The doctor said, we don't think that you're well enough to go out and be on your own, and so uh, he had to go and convince a judge, another judge, to let him go. And so he said, all right, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to write down all my experiences and, you know, what I believe and what's going on, basically a journal. Mm-hmm. And when I show you what's really going on, you'll realize I am completely sane and let me go. And the book is just shows you this guy has, I mean, he's really, he's got, he, he thinks like his internal organs are all, he's hollow on the inside and, you know, stuff just goes into him and vanishes. He th- he thought that, uh, God was somehow drawn to him through rays of sunlight and kind of and the rays of sunlight were nerves. So he had this really, really strange metaphysics. Um and actually one of the weird things about it though is like so you read the book and it's he he is a lawyer, so it's pretty hard to read. It's really slow and kind of turgid. But it's just you're seeing inside. This is what this guy believes, and this is, and he believes it because he has these kind of delusional experiences.
0: And so you had to take that all that uh-huh. information and create a story that you could put together and structure it as as something we on this other end, right, could kind of right. comprehend.
1: Right. Well, right. it's basically a science fiction story if you take it seriously. Yeah. So I thought that would be kind of fun. I mean, obviously, I don't, I didn't really have the budget to kind of like sit there and do this really elaborate science fiction story. So, but I thought, like, oh, okay. You know, I thought there was a way I could because I didn't need a bunch of actors for I only needed a few characters. So I thought there was a way I could do it. And also um, uh, my wife lives in New York and I'm in L.A. because I have to do some writing. So I kind of travel back and forth. But anyway, it makes it possible for me to go just film this in New York. And New York's very friendly to independent mm-hmm. filming. They don't, you don't need permits. You can shoot film in Central Park for free. Wow. As long as you're not sitting there laying out a bunch of cables and wires and putting up lights, so if you're walking around with handheld cameras and even handheld microphones, they won't even hassle you about that. You can film on the sidewalks, you can film in all sorts of locations, and it's just very friendly to that.
0: Well, yeah, well, permits are supposed to be all about you're causing an intrusion, you know, right. in the flow of you know the public uh, from here to there type thing. Uh, so if you're not doing that, technically, you shouldn't really right. need a permit anywhere, right?
1: Well, I mean, in Los Angeles or basically anywhere in California, you yeah. need a permit to do anything. You need a permit to film inside your own in your own house, in your own backyard. And they'll charge you for it. And wow. it's, it's a lot of work. So, I mean, I mean, if you go outside of the state, then it kind of like very much depends on municipality. I have worked on another film. And we had filmed down in Mississippi and there they, I mean, it was a bigger movie. So we had like more money and everything like that for that. So we just, that wasn't, that was less of a worry, but there they were like, Oh, the, we went into this one little town and they were like, Oh, okay. We'll have the police come out here and we won't charge you for it. And they'll like, make sure that they're blocking traffic and we'll give you all this parking space or hurry. And it was just like, you know, they were so tickled to have a film crew inside in, in the town that they were just very generous with us, but shooting in California, is, you know, you can kind of sneak around and get a lot of shots, but technically speaking, you're breaking the law.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to dig more into that.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I, it might be different in San Diego. I mean, I'm talking about the Los Angeles area, and obviously the Los Angeles area, there's so much kind of TV money floating around, so everybody sort of has this expectation that this is how I make a little extra cash.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it could be. It could be because uh, I know I've worked on several films here. I've worked on... I worked on a film in Big Bear. Uh, I know we needed permits there, but right. it's in San Diego, uh, if you're filming out in the rural areas with where there's houses and things like that, uh, you just call the sheriff and let your neighbors know that you're filming. Okay. That way, so they can nice. all run skill saws and weed whackers. Right, 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 right. I right. know. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, go ahead and keep going. This is interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I, so. Uh, uh, which I say, oh, oh, I don't know if I mentioned this part. So this guy writes the writes the thing in order to convince the judge to let him oh, uh, go free, right? Yeah. And of course, you know, it shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that this guy's really severely schizophrenic, right? <laughs> However, I mean, uh, this uh, Paul Schraber is his name. He's still a judge and he had a good argument. He said, oh, um, and this winds up, I think, creating a, a bit of a precedence this last year even until now, is I think one of the side arguments was that, well, you know, even if you don't agree with everything I'm saying, I'm not a a, a danger to anybody, Exactly. Right? And so the judge kind of came around and said, all right, well, you know, yeah, you are nuts, but oh, um, you're not a danger and you have the right to go home. So you have the right to go home. And, 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 and obviously we see that nowadays too, right? You know, it's like, you know, crazy people can wander around all they want as long as they're not hurting anybody.
0: It's true. It's true. And and that, and you know, um, honestly, (laughs) you just tapped into something there because yeah, their imaginations are just exploding.
1: Right, 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 right. i was always kind of curious what's going on inside there. I think like maybe, I mean, I'm just kind of like guessing, but it feels to me a little bit like what happens a bit in schizophrenia. It's like you know, we all have these trains of thought, and we have our own kind of internal dialogue going on, yeah. and you know, thoughts are coming at us from different ways, but we realize it's coming from our subconscious or it's coming from different parts of like, oh, these ideas are just popping up, and I think perhaps schizophrenics just maybe for. The brain processes it differently, and so they think these thoughts are coming in from the outside, as opposed to from themselves. Coming, and if you thought,
0: coming sorry. in from the outside, it's kind of in a way, kind of uh, like dreams, right?
1: Right, 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 right. But even so, we we know dreams are coming uh, are, are our own. Whereas you know, if you have if because one thing I, I also read books by. Um, oh. Uh, modern books by people who have have schiz- or have schizophrenia, but have had it treated because there's, they've taken the medications or something along those lines. Yeah. And they would talk about when, and they're able to sit there and put some distance between them, themselves and the illness. And they're able to sit and say like, okay, when I heard the voices, I couldn't believe that anybody else, the other people in the room weren't also hearing them. They thought they thought they were all, everybody else was kind of in on the conspiracy because the voices were so obvious. And so there, mm-hmm. and, you know, that would be – I think it would just be like a weird experience to be in that situation.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's kind of – it would kind of induce the, the paranoia that, that is really common with that too.
1: Right, 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 right. Or even just – I mean because uh, – I mean in the film I was kind of contemplating whether or not I want to do the voices. Hmm. We have scenes where the voices – where we can hear the voices. Reality, I think those voices are pretty much there all the time. And, yeah,
0: I think what they're listening to from what I've learned um on this whole thing is that they're listening to noises that sort of sound like whispers and then they right. sort of try to turn them into they try to I mean if you if you're stuck with that, I guess at some point you want to comprehend or make something out of it.
1: Right, right. Well actually I think um well, they've had a c there are a couple of videos on YouTube that are a bit of a simulation of hearing the voices and tell you what it's like. And one of and, 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 and it's really spooky. But apparently, there oh, um, from what I oh, uh, read from actual schizophrenics who sch- schizophrenics who uh, watched them is that these are pretty authentic to what it's like.
0: Wow. So. Interesting. Oh wow. Okay. So so there you are. You've got this. Well, so now you have to turn this into a story. Right. Somehow. Right. And, and then you have to sort of adapt that to your camera, which is your, your Samsung, is it galaxy?
1: It's a Samsung galaxy S seven.
0: Yes. So now here we go. Now here, our listeners are going, okay, this is, this is now really getting interesting. How did you come about thinking that this was the best way to do it? And, um, and then how did you bring that all together into a production crew and a production? Seriously?
1: Uh, well, uh, I mean, part of it is just like, uh, I've seen, um, Tangerine, which was shot on the iPhone and you know, that looks great. They did a great job. I mean, they had some like special gear on top of it. So, I mean, I shot this pretty much on the Samsung galaxy, just straight. So I didn't add like a special lens to it or anything along those lines. I mean, one advantage of it's like we had actually on this other film I worked on, they were going to shoot some, uh, some of the film on a regular camera and they were going to shoot uh, like a, you know a high angle sort of camera mm-hmm. and then they were going to but it was also there was like some found footage aspects to it and that was like oh so the uh the main characters were like carrying around these little like, tiny secret cameras and kind of secretly filming stuff and so they wanted to have another camera to represent that and what they did for that is they used they said okay well let's use a phone camera and then they kind of compared the current iphone at the time versus the current samsung at the time and they kind of said oh okay we think samsung's a little better so that's why i chose the galaxy
0: <laughs> that's funny um right. so yes but okay so our listeners as of right now, in the future, they may be listening to this later at some point and they maybe have seen the film, but All right. as of right now, from what I saw on the film, the quality of the footage and everything that you did uh, with the colors and the special effects and everything. So basically you shot it straight with the, uh, with the phone, no lenses. Right. Did you use uh, some sort of stabilizer or gimbal or anything like yeah, that? Tripods? I used a uh,
1: DJ DJI movie, I guess it is so a okay. little one, a little handheld one. And that was fantastic. Actually I had used two gimbals because I, I had a older one and I forgot the, uh, I forget the name of it now, but don't, Listeners shouldn't get it anyway. Um, It was, it had trouble holding up the camera. The camera's, or the the phone's a little bit heavier than it was used to. And so, uh, and it used the motor to keep it kind of uh, um, balanced. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, and so that motor just got burned out over the course of the, because I only shot, I, you know, I had a very limited budget and I was trying to just do it myself. So I shot it in two weeks. And the first week I shot using that and the, oh, a gimbal gave out then I went out and I right away I got this uh, DJI. And the nice thing about the DJI is that you can go inside there and kind of mechanically balance it. They have like – it's a very good setup and it just moved really smoothly. I actually did have a director of photography, uh, Aero Waxer, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like a friend of my wife. And so we had her go around and use it, you know, we did some, I mean, it, it was, it's amazing what you can do with it. And I really wish I had even done even more because of what she, there was this, there's this one nice shot inside there where she's orbiting mm-hmm. our two actors. And just kind of walking around them in a circle. And it turns out really smooth. where don't have to use, you know, have to lay down dolly track or anything like that. And we're doing it in the middle of Times Square, right? <laughs> because, we, you know, it's completely legal. You can go ahead and do it. It's like, right. And also when you're moving like that, it's like, ah, okay, well, the faces in the background. You know, you can't really see them that well anyway. So True. it works out pretty good. And no, that was like a great, that, that, that was a great device. And the battery lasted, or you could carry multiple batteries and you can recharge them. So you could have a battery that will last you for the whole day of shooting.
0: Wow. And so then everything else, so that, because I know it's important to have a uh, decent footage at least and right. stable footage uh, when you're treating it later in post-production. Right. Okay, cool. Wow.
1: I'm, imp- well, I'm, I'm really impressed.
0: Sorry. And was this the first film that you shot this way?
1: Uh, yeah. It's the first film I've shot. Uh, it's the first film we directed at all. So, and it's uh, yeah, it's certainly the first film I've ever shot on a, uh, on a phone. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, looking at it, obviously, you know, I think filmmakers uh, like using, you know, better cameras and stuff like that. One of the, I know, I knew going into it that one of the problems would be like with a um, regular camera and uh, you could use depth of field mm-hmm. and you can change like, oh, okay. Do we have deep focus? Do we have shallow focus? We can keep, you know, the we can blur out the background if we want to. And you don't have that ability at all when you're shooting on a on the on the phone because everything's in focus, right? Right. Uh, but if you look at like older films, like prior to, I mean, certainly, like even if you go back and you look at Stanley Kubrick's films, everything's in focus, right? <laughs> so I was saying, okay, and you know, I mean, obviously, I like Stanley Kubrick no matter what, right? Yeah. So i was saying, well, how do you sort of set up your shots when you don't have this ability to kind of isolate the subject of your attention? By using focus. And I mean, he has the advantage or when he's doing it, of course, he completely controls the set so he can do it with set design to a certain degree. But also, I mean, that's like I I would look at it for framing certain shots. So it's like, you know, okay, I frame this one shot like a, a scene from The Shining or something along those lines. And hopefully that will
0: work out. So you're basically um, working around the camera that you have, but your, your right. focus is more, I think it almost forces you to focus more on the storytelling aspect and how to right. film that to, to enhance the story because it right. did. In the end, it really did have an effect on the story, I think, uh, from, from the perspectives and things like that and the angles that, that you used in the in film.
1: Well, one of the nice things is when you are doing this, and also when you're kind of shooting a small film like this, is that I I spent an awful lot of time location scouting because, you know, I'm, I could spend, you know, a month in New York just walking around the city. And I did that. And so I went and I scouted all the locations. And I don't need to pay for the locations. So I can use any location that looks good. And moreover, when I was doing my um, shot listing for it, what I would do is while I'm looking at, you know, if I'm going to Central Park and there there's this one location where you're underneath this sort of tile mosaic roof and everything, along those lines. And I could take the – I could use the camera I'm going to be using to shoot the film. I could take a photograph and I say, OK, here's going to be one shot. And then I can go over to this other location and say, OK, here's going to be an angle and here's going to be the other angle. So this is the way I'm going to shoot my coverage. So, you know, you can't do that. I mean I haven't done that on – I'm mostly a writer, but on the other films I'm working on, you know, you show up on set and you figure out what how you're going to shoot it, right? Mm-hmm. You're I able see. to plan a lot more because, well, for one thing, you're using locations. that You're able to kind of like go ahead and just choose the locations ahead of time, but also because you have the actual camera that you're using, you can kind of do it right there.
0: Exactly. You don't have to simulate it and then find out later that doesn't work.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, that's pretty interesting. You hear that, guys? Talking to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's really cool. And so also you on, let's talk a little bit, might be a little bit of a segue there uh, for the, your set design, basically. Even though these were places you could shoot for free, they're all over New York and everything, right. um, you were very choosy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, for set design, it is basically found sets. So I'm not going inside. There's only like, there's only one interior, I think in the entire, well, I mean, there's a couple, there's also the interior. I mean, it was really lucky. um, The Oculus, which is just below the New World Trade Center, there's a large subway station slash uh, path station. And that's, oh, there's a couple scenes inside there where you see it looks like the inside of this giant rib cage, right? Mm, Yeah. And that had just opened up when I shot this movie. So uh, originally I had planned to shoot those scenes in grand central station because that's going to be where uh, the main character Mason meets his former fiance and they kind of have a little reunion. Um, But then once I saw the Oculus and I saw this sort of unique look it has. I said, okay, well, I want to shoot there. Well, it's probably not, I mean, I, that's the one. those were one of the shots I stole. I walk inside there, and it's like, okay, so I don't have any, I can't record any audio inside there. But, you know, it's New York. Everybody's walking around with cameras all the time. And if you're walking around with a little handheld camera, something like that, nobody will bother you. So we just went yeah. inside there and we shot that stuff regardless.
0: Well, yeah, and especially with a phone. Ooh. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, with a yeah. phone.
1: We actually, like, uh, we, we didn't wind up using it, but I sat there and said, oh, it'd be kind of cool if we have them walk right through Macy's. And uh, so... <laughs> Oh, uh, two lead actors and oh, uh, the director of photography, they're all young. They're in their 20s and stuff like that. So, you know, they look like little film school kids or whatever along those lines. So they just went ahead and walked right through Macy's and shot everything. <laughs> it didn't wind up fitting into the story, which is a little bit too bad. But I like the idea that we're just going to steal that shot, right? That would be totally illegal in any circumstances.
0: Um, <laughs> I think that the, the story itself, um, and you said you you, watch, you watched it. You filmed it over the course of a couple of weeks. Right, that had you know, like I, I started watching the film and I just became glued to it. So it, it was really it captivated my, it piqued my interest. Thank you. In a lot of ways, you know, um, right from the start, because the characters are so strong in the in the story and mystical at the same time. Right, that was the fun part. Yeah. And so did that, but the story itself is, is complex. So it really does grab you and you're, you know, it's, it's almost like a puzzle once you, right. you know, if you stayed up all night to play a, to put a puzzle together because you just couldn't drop it and let it go until you saw it finished. You just had to know what it looked like in the end, you know, right? Uh, that kind of a feeling. And so um, since you shot it in a short period of time, did that help? with stitching the story together to make sure everything was on path or
1: um let me see it was it, we stayed really close to script i mean one nice thing is again when you're kind of doing something small like this is i was able to have the also shooting in new york because new york has really just terrific actors and yeah. they're you know a lot of young actors because a lot of I think young actors go there to sort of learn their craft and, you know, they're they're coming out of theater, both uh, Garrett and Christina. Christina's done some really great theater work. And Garrett's been in some TV shows as well. I mean, Christina's in some TV shows as well. But um, so they're... Oh they were able to come in and we can do a reading and then get a sense for the lines and you know, they'll tell me when I'm going overboard with some of my dialogue, which I did. But they also you know, I thought one time when I was going overboard, Garrett came inside and said, No, I love it. Let's stick with it, right? Because this <laughs> is the way this guy's gotta be, right? So it was really fun to be able to work. You wanna with give
0: that. a shout out to their full names of the, of all the actors, uh
1: Yeah, know? so oh uh our lead actor oh, uh, playing Mason is oh, uh Garrett Richmond. And oh um he's still pretty young. So I think um, we'll, we'll, we'll see him in a lot more stuff to come. And then uh, our lead actress uh, who may or may not really exist in the movie is Christina Toth. And uh, she's been in, um, she has a recurring role on Orange is the New Black, but she's been in a bunch of great uh, stage plays in New York and she's, you know, really good there. And then our uh, other lead actor, sort of the villain kind of, maybe not really is Gopal Dufan. And, uh, he's also done quite a bunch of quite a bit of stage work and we thought we were just so happy with him. And when he came on, because, you know, he's of um, uh, Indian descent, East Indian descent. And so I definitely obviously wanted that for the character because that's the, the, uh, the character he portrays is a mythical creature out of Indian mythology. And so, uh, and he kind of enjoyed it. And he brought in his own sort of like uh, mystical thinking to it. So that was a lot of fun.
0: In a way, it kind of has this kind of like the Matrix kind of feel to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I think. I mean, also kind. I mean, yeah. When I was looking back, and I said, oh, okay, this is kind of very Matrixy, right? <laughs> but you know, that's fine. I'll be. Uh, I'll, I'll certainly be happy to. Well, oh, it's with not that. the also,
0: Matrix. I mean, the story no, 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 is no. definitely not the Matrix. It just, um, you know, to compare it like that, I do mean that in a positive way because you know the uh, the way they were dressed. And, right. and just the quality of the film itself is is astonishing, especially now knowing that you really didn't use much of anything as far as production gear. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it. it's like,
1: oh, uh, I mean, we had a very small crew. It was yeah. basically me, my co-producer, uh, Rory Aylward, who, you know, talked at, talked us off of being kicked off a couple sets. We were it's like two sets yeah. that we could have possibly been kicked off of because that's like, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast and thinking about shooting in New York – well, you can get away with a lot, but also um, a lot of places that look like public parks aren't actually public parks. They're uh, privately owned parks that anybody can walk into, but they will get upset at you. But they will kind of bother you if you go over there and you try to film them. Film them. <laughs>
0: That's good. And it's too
1: bad because a lot of those locations are really good. We did get kicked out of one location, and that was when you kind of like learn the um, – and this happens on any movie, no matter what the size, I think. Yeah. We got kicked off of one location. And, you know, obviously we have a very tight shooting schedule. And it's like, oh, okay. You, at every moment in time, you're sitting there thinking, am I, am I going to be able to even finish this film? And, you know, we got lucky. We were able to find another location just across the street. We went over there and shot there. And I think I probably would have still preferred the original location. But the second location was pretty solid. So.
0: Well, we And then don't we got rained on. Right? We don't know. It worked. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> um yeah and uh and then there's the the audio that was also very very well done um uh-huh. did you have to out obviously you used external audio right
1: yeah yeah, yeah, so I hired a sound guy uh let me see i'm sorry I- I'm filming Jesse. I can't remember his last name though, but uh, oh, uh, he he was great. He was there with us for like almost the entire shoot. Then he uh, supplied us with one of his friends to do it. And yeah, so he's doing like full sound. He you know he wired up the actors. He walked around with his boom mic and carried everything because you really do need that. Yeah. If I mean sound gets really important, and if you don't have the sound, you have. To, I really don't like the look or the sound of. The stuff that's kind of ADR'd in afterwards, it really mm-hmm. feels off to me. So I was trying to avoid that as much as possible.
0: I would definitely think even the actors appreciated that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So oh, well, yeah, it's nice to be able to do that. I mean, it, it's it's particularly challenging though too because we're not able to lock down our locations, and we're all shooting outdoors in one of the noisiest cities on the planet. So yeah. you know, but we're kind of away from a lot of things, so it winds up working out. And also the background noise is fine. I mean it's like well you want to feel like you're in the city, so it wasn't too bad with having some of the background noise in there.
0: Do what do you mind if I ask you what what the brands of the microphone was? The you said you use a boom in the
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean he's a professional sound recorder, yeah. so these were not cheap microphones and yeah. or cheap gear. So I think his I, I know his Oh, uh, the, the microphone he had on the boom was running about six hundred dollars. So uh, I could, oh, like, I could probably look it up, but um, yeah. So this is all, and that's one of the things that's like, you know, basically sound was one of the biggest expenses on the film.
0: Yeah, well, it's really important, and like again, right. uh, you know, for listeners, the quality of the footage in the film when you see it, um, you really don't know that this was shot on a phone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's one of the things that impressed me so much. I mean, again, when I was also thinking about cameras here, too, um, I think uh, – I'm trying to think if it's a S7 or an S8 I have here. But anyway, I had, like, the Galaxy x S6, I think, and then I had to upgrade to the S7 and gave the S6 to my wife. And the reason why is because the S6 could only shoot 4K video for five minutes. Oh. Five Five minutes of 4K at a time, whereas the S7 could shoot up to 10 minutes at a time. And five minutes is just on the edge of what a – especially like some of my scenes are pretty long,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or at least a couple of them are. Five minutes would just be on the edge of what you could put inside there. And so you'd always be kind of worrying that, oh, OK, we're not going to be able to get the whole scout. So I did do that. But then at the end, OK, I have shot everything in 4K,
0: right? <laughs> yep.
1: And so now this gives you the ability in post to sit there and push in or use turn one medium shot into a close up because I'm only going to finish it in HD. I'm not going to be delivering a 4K film, right? <laughs> this budget, right? So it's like, so that means like, oh, okay, I'm fine. I can sit there and also now all my medium shots are close ups too, right? So that saves you some time.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Um, yeah, and the the other thing to that because it's so dialogue heavy that right. yeah, some of your longest are going to be you know, and that's something for listeners to keep in mind that if you have right. a lot of dialogue in your, in your scenes, they're going to be longer. So you're going to need to, you know, your shots are going to be longer.
1: As right. Well. Right. right. Yeah. I suppose also, I imagine some of your listeners are going to be trying, thinking about doing the same thing is one of my, I mean, I had two concerns kind of going into the shoot on some mechanical aspects of it is one was like, Oh, how much am I going to have enough memory on the chip in the camera to handle like, say a all the all the shooting for the day because I'm not going to really I'm not going to be able to download it until the end of the day, right? right. It's not like on a regular set where you sync it off to a DIT or somebody else and they kind of like make multiple backups of everything. Yeah. Well, that wound up not being an issue because, I mean. It's not like a big camera where you're shooting uncompressed footage and you can do all sorts of nifty stuff with it. Phones will give you; they do use like compression algorithms. So, technically speaking, it's not as high quality as what you would see. Again, you can't really tell most of the time. And remember, you know, some of the greatest films were shot on you know grainy black and white. So, you know, yeah. you don't have to worry too much about and
0: that. Sometimes what happens though is that um, when you're recording the audio also with the phone, even if you're using an external mic. Right. um it affects the the memory and the dialogue and so things oh, get okay. out of sync.
1: Oh, but, right, 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 right.
0: But you were using external audio, so I would think that that helped a bit too so that you couldn't really notice any difference anyways.
1: Right, right, right. I mean, I would just I just get like any normal like what you do on a on a on a bigger film shoot, you know, we have the, we had the clapper sticks right. and then I use whatever that software is to um to uh, sync the uh Sync the external audio with the. I mean, the, you still need the u you know, a phones audio to hit the, hear the click, right? right and right. then create your automatic sync. Although there was one scene where they're inside the room and I'm shooting from inside this one little room. It's raining outside, and I'm shooting through the through the raining glass, rainy or the through the glass. So you don't have this. You don't have the uh, automatic sync available. But you know, you can actually match it pretty well just by looking at the by the mouse.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So you really, you really were able to get creative, which was really good for for the story. Now, when you were putting this whole um, team together, including uh-huh. especially, so w- when it came to the actors, uh, were these people you already knew, uh, trusted you? Hey, here's this guy; he's gonna make a movie with a phone. And how did you approach that whole topic?
1: Uh, pretty much every single one of the actors, I went through. Um, What's the name of it? I went through casting on it. So I didn't do backstage. I did the uh, screen actors guild has a website, I believe that you can kind of use and you can go inside there. You post your, and it's free. You go ahead you post your breakdown for your movie. And again, because it's New York, you have thousands and thousands of actors there. And I said, okay, well here are all the parts. I described them. And Oh, um, because I, I don't have like a regular casting director and all that. What I did is I um, had them first submit. Well, I first looked through everybody who kind of submitted for a part. I looked through their reels and so forth like that. And then I kind of trimmed that down to maybe a list of about 10, por- 10 people per role or so, maybe 20. And then I said, okay, well, uh, could you please submit a self tape? And because everybody else has phones nowadays, or at least has friends with phones, yeah. they submitted self tapes of their own auditions. And then I, Oh, well, went from that list down to about three actors per role and brought them in for actual auditions using studio space in New York City. So and that was I mean, that's another thing I think when you're doing a small film kind of independent like this is I gave myself an awful lot of time for that. So I started that process out three months before the movie started and I just looked through everybody as much as possible. They were willing to submit their headshot then I was willing to look at their reels.
0: You know, I've seen a lot of independent films, um, shot with straightforward, you know I don't wanna say the old fashioned way, I wanna say the traditional way, right? Uh-huh. Um, because it is the traditional way, you know, cameras and bigger budgets. I mean, even a million dollars is a, is a small budget, you know, um, Not anymore. Film, right. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That's a problem. It's like, it used to be a small budget. Now I think even like you look at like a lot of the really good independent films, there's like yeah. $7,000 something like
0: that. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm, I'm, I've watched some of these films and, uh, they pay a lot of attention to the aesthetics of the film. Right. And, um, but the actors, um, I don't think actors are bad. I mean, if they're getting jobs, they're, they're good. It's just like they're, maybe they weren't the best actors for, for the roles that they were playing in that film.
1: Right. Well, Um, I sometimes worry that like a lot of people, I, Especially if you're filming outside of, say, Los Angeles or you're filming outside of oh, someplace where people from Los Angeles can't drive over to you or someplace outside of New York. Because we did make a movie down in Mississippi this one time, and we were casting locally for a number of the roles. Yeah. And there's just a lot fewer people there. Mm-hmm. So um, it wound up being you know, more of a struggle to find people that you were happy with.
0: Yeah, and, um, and also, but, you know, in the end, it's the director's responsibility to make sure you bring that out from your actors to, to, right. to bring out the best in them. Um, and also it shows in their roles and how comfortable they are with it. And, again, this was a complex story uh, for them right. to have to portray this char- the, the characters. And films aren't like theater where they're shot – or I should say they're performed right, uh, right. straight through. Um, so how did that all work out with the, with them?
1: Uh, well, for instance, so Garrett Richmond, um he, um, I mean, was very serious, approached it very seriously, and he's he's work, he has to work every single day, pretty much all day. Because you know we're shooting on a very compressed schedule, and you know he's got to work at the same time, and all this sort of stuff. So, oh, um, it was. Oh, but he had a binder that he would bring in that the script inside of it, and it had all the, um, it had all the, let's see. the side scenes, and he'd say, like, oh, okay, what was coming before, so he'd know what to do. So he put all his notes inside there, and he referred to that. But he's sitting there, and he's. Um, you know, he's got to memorize like 10 pages of script per day practically, right? So that's a lot of work. Now, I mean, there's a little bit of an advantage because a fair bit of the scenes are, you know, he's there and somebody else is carrying a little bit more of the dialogue. But still, that's just an awful lot. of.
0: Did you have a script supervisor or anything to help along a little bit or?
1: No, no. And here's the other thing, right? Uh, I think every actor made one line mistake in the entire movie.
0: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Wow!
1: Right, I know. Right, given wow. the fact that we have no script supervisor, s- yeah. supervisor, and we're asking them to do a huge amount of work, and you know, it's 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 an irrelevant mistake anyway. So it was just I was just like, yeah, yeah, that was really impressed with these guys. Wow! This
0: was this was one of those stories that just was meant to be.
1: Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it turned out wow.
0: And so, um, and so now, what about the? You said you have a DP. Um, so obviously. Your DP is probably used to, you know, I don't know, red cams or whatever, uh, compared to your Samsung. How how did you get well, I mean, him on board? It, or, or Era's way.
1: really young, so I mean, he's you know been shooting like kind of like little guerrilla style films herself. I mean, probably using. I mean, he is going to be using. You know, I don't think he's using rig. He's using red cams. He hasn't been doing that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But the, uh, he has, oh, um, you know, been using like I don't know what the. Uh, like a Sony or something like that, like a, like a consumer camera that you would, but would have a lens on it. But even so, I mean, she just knew what she, I mean, we, everybody knew what they were doing inside there. And so it's like, it's kind of like just framing the shot. And also, I mean, this is like the other advantage, I think really of the um, shooting on the phone. And again, something that would have been nice is that you can do moving shots really easily, especially when you have a a stabilizer and it would have been, I don't think this story was right for it or would have been fit, but to sit there and kind of do more stuff where I'm handing the camera through windows or something along those lines and passing it through doorways and moving up and down and things because mm-hmm. it's really light. It's not like a, uh, even like when you're on a, a cam rig, which is like a guy's like hooked up into, you know, powered armor or something along those lines, you can just move this camera around however you see fit. And that would be fun to experiment with. I think.
0: Oh, definitely. The, the cinematography tricks that you could do with that is, is really impressive. Um, so, okay. So you've got your, you've got everything shot, right. And then you go into post and did you get any surprises there?
1: I'm trying to think. of any big surprises in post? Not really. I mean, it's a long process. I'm not an editor, but I had to edit it myself because I, you know, I'm not. I can't afford to pay somebody for six months of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the footage is easier to work with, probably because it's compressed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you don't really need as powerful a computer. And there's so much you can do now. I'm just using Adobe Creative Suite. So I just load everything up into there and I kind of go through there and like assemble everything and figure out how how this works. And the amount of stuff that you can do, the visual effects that you can just kind of do yourself in the after effects are really kind of like, oh, there's a lot of like really cool stuff. And obviously, you know, I'm keeping that um, trimmed down a little bit. So it's like, okay, I want to make it look I want to do something that I think I can make look right. Although you do need to do a little bit of planning. There are a couple splits. You know, kind of pseudo split screen or split screen shots I go inside there. So those are ones where you do the really simple method where you put the camera on a tripod and then you kind of like you know shoot the scene twice.
0: Well, there was some effects there. They kind of reminded me of like Instagram or something. Right. You know, as well. Um, I think it was closer to the end when they're doing that thing going through the tunnels and everything. Right, 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 right. Uh what what was um did you do that also with Adobe After Effects or
1: Yeah, 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 I I did with Adobe After Effects. There's actually one thing. I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's this uh, app on your phone that turns a photograph into an art, like Mm. a painting. Yeah. And there's something that does – and it says, oh, we'll give you – it'll turn your photograph and make it look like it's painted by Van Gogh or it's painted by somebody else, right? Yeah. And I thought that – like a friend of mine showed me that and said, oh, that would be really cool to do for like one thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So there's this one scene where uh, Garrett is uh, kind of like he starts to go really crazy after he's seen his uh, ex-wife or his ex-fiance. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's running through the streets and everything seems to be going wild around him. And so what I did is like for about 80 frames of shot, I went through, I exported every frame of that, ran it through this little software process and then turned it back in and created a a video sequence out of it. (laughs) That actually worked. so Yeah, that was fun.
0: Wow, very cool.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Very cool. Yeah, no, uh, I really I really think that aesthetically, like I said, you know, a lot of people pay attention to that because they got the the big, you know, expensive cameras and might as well put that to use. Right. right. Um, but there are, you know, here you are and you've got the phone and you're able to do that. Um, and still, it's 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 a great film. I uh, can't wait to screen it on the on the big screen there and here and there. I mean here.
1: <laughs> well, that'd be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And you're gonna be there. You're gonna uh, you're gonna get a lot of questions from people. Okay, um, great. Yeah, uh, you're gonna inspire people. Um, I want to play a little game really quick with you. I forgot to tell you about this game. Um, but there's a little game that I like to play where it's a 20-second shout-out game. Okay. Um, and basically, you know, um, you I got a feeling that there's some very unique films that you love or that have affected you in your filmmaking career. Or maybe just as Steve, that you just love these films. And maybe you right. can shout out um, as many as you can in about 20 seconds. Do you think you could do that?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll try. I'll, like, I'll certainly I'll start with the ones that influence this the most.
0: Okay, cool. All right, so ready, get set, and go.
1: Okay, primer. Um, yeah, I forgot the name of it now. Uh, following. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll go with uh 2001: A Space Odyssey. Uh, let's, ah, damn it. There's this film about parallel realities and uh. It was also kind of done on a small thing. Uh, it's already over with. Okay. I can't remember the name of this one.
0: Hmm. Well I'll tell you what. I'll let you cheat and if you find it later and send me the Okay the so. name, I'll add it in the in the in the article. Right, right, right. Um so so let me see. Now I've got I I have no questions to ask you, so everything is coming off of um what you've been talking about but uh let me ask you this what would you say you know uh was the best part of filming with a phone
1: uh i think just the flexibility of it kind of like the ability to go around and it's so mobile and you can go and kind of get all these of interesting sorts of things and again that's something that would have been even more fun to do if i had sat there and like from the beginning thought like oh I'm going to make a movie that's going to use the mobility of the phone to the most effect.
0: What would you say is the worst thing?
1: I I mean, probably like, oh, uh, well, I, okay, I'll say two things, right? Uh, interior shots with low light, really, mm-hmm. phones aren't, the cameras aren't good for that. So that's why everything was, that's why everything was pretty much daylight. And then uh, it is nice to have control over uh, depth of field. So you don't have any of that.
0: Yeah. Well, you did do some night shots, though. That's
1: yeah, the nice. exterior night shots turned out well. Part of that, though, is because New York is so brightly lit, <laughs> so you can kind of get away with it. But there's, that one, there's one interior scene where they're talking in a room, and you can see it's muddy,
0: right? Yeah.
1: It's like, all right, it would have been nice to have. I mean, if you, if you have a lot of lights, then maybe you could have made up for that, but that's where a, a, a better camera would have made a
0: difference. Yeah, I always think it's better to just over-light it a little bit and then in post-degrade right. it a little bit.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, you're darker. right.
0: Um, and, uh, let me ask you, it's just kind of coming to mind, um, because you said this is the first film that you directed, uh, uh-huh. uh, would you, would you say this has been overall a great experience for you that would encur- that encouraged you or inspired you that maybe you're going to make more?
1: It'd be fun to make more. I mean, it's a uh, very stressful i'm mostly a writer and writer you're completely in control of everything so you don't need to worry about you don't need to worry about it raining when you're writing a book right (laughs) or when you're writing a screenplay right somebody else will deal with that problem when you're directing and you're producing and like that it's like oh now this is your headache so that's like uh there's that but it's also really nice just to be able to be that involved in every step of the process
0: it's true you're creating it from the from from your imagination basically Right uh, out, and would you say that there's there's something from the the story, the book, I should say, the journals, uh, the experiences that that this story comes from, um, that you wish you could have captured better? It wouldn't. It, I don't think the phone would have made any difference, but just in the in the film version itself.
1: I think. Well, I mean, I mean, going back and looking at it, most more than anything else, I wish you would have had more time. So would have been less stress for the actors. And, you know, Oh, true. I mean, but I think every, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's a complaint of everybody who's making a movie. Oh, I wish we had more shooting days, but it's really true. It would have been nice to sit there and kind of do that. I think also, you know, if I did have more money to be able to tell, do more of a visual storytelling, cause it's very verbal. And so it's like, mm. uh, you know, I, if I go back and you look at say Shane Karras primer, he's very good at doing, telling a visual story, and you know, that would have been
0: nice. You ever read the the book uh, The Shining? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then you watched the film, right? Right. And well, certainly the
1: uh, Kubrick version is very different from the book.
0: Yes, it right. really is, right? Right, um, right? And so, was there anything like that 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 you film your you know your film had with the book?
1: Oh no, well, well, for one thing, my well, it's inspired by the uh, book, but it had okay. to be very different because um, oh uh, the guy in Memoirs of My Nervous Illness is a, you know, 19th century judge. So his sort of mystical thinking and so forth like that is very centered in that kind of a uh, environment. And I needed to make it, I wanted to make it something like, oh, okay, what would a modern day sort of person, especially like a New Yorker kind of come up with for their delusions. And so it winds up being kind of more new agey? It's kind of theosophy. And we're talking about the you know, Indian mythology and stuff like that. So I, uh I had to change all that stuff for my story, and also because that's kind of stuff I thought would be kind of more cool,
0: yeah, it definitely was cool um and so do you do you still stay in touch with the with the actors right yeah 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 uh-huh. yeah and um, and when they went to the screening what did they did they like the how you
1: well, they had to all watch it online because oh well we were oh well we couldn't bring them out for Gen Con and stuff like that, and they're all based in New York, so it's like a little bit um. of that stuff right so you know i mean they're all kind of working on their own stuff i think they're all like all right you know does it get a big release we'll see
0: <laughs> well i think definitely it should it definitely um is there anything else that you'd like to add to our listeners that they may you know um you know my aim with this podcast is to give people like you a voice but i think by doing that uh, as a consequence it inspires others right um is there anything that you can think of that you would like to add
1: Oh, there was like one little thing. It's like very kind of a technical detail. When you're shooting on a phone, the battery becomes a problem. (laughs) so that was a solution I needed to figure out was because I'm shooting it all during one day because you can't just replace the battery on a phone like you can on a camera. Mm. So what I did is I use there, especially nowadays, it's not so bad. You have these external batteries that can use like what USB three charging. So what I would do is like, because we're walking around the city in between shots. So we shoot a scene. And by the time I was finished shooting the scene, I'd be down to about 25% battery charge, but I could plug it in while we're walking to the next location. I could plug it into one of these external batteries and, um, it, you could get back up to about eighty-five percent. So that's what carried us through day to day. It's like here, these external battery packs.
0: Yeah, and they're fast chargers. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I used them at uh, during Comic Con. Um, you know, just because your battery dies within it seems like ten minutes, but that's exactly right. <laughs> you're using well, yeah, and it and the video dies. You know, uses yeah. up more. And right, more. yeah, yeah.
1: You're shooting in four K. It's gonna burn up some juice.
0: Oh, definitely! Wow. Anything else?
1: No, I guess that's about it.
0: Yeah, that's it. Also, you don't need a uh, a muscular DP to run the the camera. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah, our, our DP was a, a fairly short Asian girl.
0: Very awesome. I love right. it. Yeah, I, I also think you know, there's the the whole um, you know filmmaking, the movement for women in film. Yeah. Uh, As well. And I think, you know, this is, this is another option, which I think is very handy. I'm not, I'm not tall or, or super muscular or anything like that. And I know uh, (laughs) when I was out of college and I was invited to a local news station to possibly work there. And I remember the guy, the camera guy that walked in and he had to wear one of those belts, you know, like the moving people wear and... And the camera itself was just so heavy and I was like, right. wow, this is really not, you know. Which is
1: too bad too because I mean I think it's like it's, well, um, we're seeing a little bit of a change because on like two other films I've worked on, we've had females female directors of photography, including Consensus Reality, so that makes three at least have been on, And um, I think perhaps even more than directing, mm-hmm. Um Direct uh, well, cinematography is re- has been kind of really male-dominant. It's very kind of a macho sort of role on the set. So it's nice to sit there and see more female or more women being able to get inside there and do some uh, cinematography.
0: Because, well, yeah. Well, even the traditional cameras have gotten smaller right. you know, as well. And then the the rigs that you wear also take a lot of the weight off, right. I think, too. Uh, but yeah, this this is definitely way lighter. Like I say, you know, you um, parents will not give a DSLR to a four year old. Right,
1: right, right, you know? right, right. Yeah, that's but
0: they'll give a they'll give their phone to an eight month old. Right. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the next time I see a movie, I want someone with a with a toddler to make the next movie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I don't think it'll be as complicated. The camera and...
1: is older than the than the camera person.
0: <laughs> there you go. Now there right. there's a challenge right there, huh? Right, 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 right. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, um, I really enjoyed this um a lot and I want to let our listeners know that if they want to get in touch with you, uh what was your what was your Facebook again for the for the movie and then for you?
1: Okay, our Facebook is uh, Consensus Reality, the movie, all one word, just after facebook.com okay. And then, let me see, what's mine? I don't even know mine. <laughs> uh, Steve dot Peterson.
0: Okay, great. All right, so that's how you they can follow you. And um, and what is your next movie that you're gonna make? Do you have anything already in mind, or
1: uh, we don't have anything? Uh, well, kind of in the in the schedule right now, we have another movie that's coming out that I. Oh, wrote for somebody else and worked on with somebody. It's called Replicate, and it's kind of a horror film, science fiction horror film that should be getting a release actually sometime this year, in 2019.
0: Great, cool. and that's a bigger
1: one, so you know it's yeah. a little you know, more Hollywoody.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, maybe by the time by April, you'll have something to share with um with our audience there at the at the festival. Okay, that'd be great. <laughs> great. All right. Bye listeners. And I hope you enjoyed it and uh, subscribe to the podcast and uh, make sure you go see Steve.Peterson on Facebook.